Why did you do? Why did you hold up your finger like that? Because it's gonna go like a finger gun. Oh, and go. I just had to make sure that you were recording so that I wasn't mean to you this time like I was last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. And we're back. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to another week. Another week? Oh wait, yeah. It is another week. Yeah, 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 yeah. This week's episode. A fam family. Fam family. We are um, Miles and Courtney. We are an old married couple. We've been together for five years. Five long years. <laughs> the Just best kidding. five years of Miles' <laughs> life. No, the best five years of my life I don't remember. Hence Rude. why they're my best. I'm just kidding. You know I love you. Well, how are you? Um, I'm good. I, um, I'm cold. And there's something pokey in this blanket, so it's making me a tad bit uncomfortable. But it's also warming me up, so I'm gonna suffer through it. Okay. Um, I... Ow, freaking... (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, I'm sorry. Ugh. This is what happens when the dogs also use the blanket, and... They also um, spend half their time outside, so they bring in pokey things. Yeah. Anyways, we had a, a really cool thunderstorm slash hailstorm not too long ago, and it made my soul happy. So, what was the question? What question? The one that you asked me. I said, how are you? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That's my answer. <laughs> how are you? I'm great. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, we had a cool thunderstorm slash hailstorm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I am five years married to you now. Oh, so congratulations! Thanks. Um, we did go out to celebrate that a little bit today, since we weren't able to on our actually actual anniversary. Yeah. Um, so we went to go see a movie, and we went to lunch at the Olive Garden. The Olive Garden. We also realized that we um, cannot eat as much as we used to be able to. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> like we we got through our you know Olive Garden. They have the the soup or salad. Um, Courtney got the salad. I got the soup with breadsticks. And... I only had three breadsticks. Only three. <laughs> only three. Actually, no, I did have four. I, I had a, a one later on as well. But like I started off with two and a half uh-huh um and i'm like okay i'm feeling all right i got through my soup i'm like okay i'm starting to feel a little bit full we got our food like our entrees i took probably five bites i'm like i cannot do this cannot anymore. eat anything it's so funny because i'm pretty sure like we've never actually been able to eat as much as we think we have been able to oh definitely not but every time we go there we're like yeah we can pound out two baskets of breadsticks our soup and our salad maybe even an appetizer and still get through over half of our mm-hmm. andre no that's not true <laughs> no we um <laughs> yeah because typically we didn't get one today but we usually do get an appetizer when we go like the calamari or something like that mm-hmm. um anyway so uh i was thinking about getting a dessert because their black tie mousse cake is mm. and i like someone else on a nearby table ordered it i looked at it, i'm like i can't do it <laughs> i was so <laughs> <Yeah>. sad <laughs> Uh, it's fine though. Anyway, that's fine. Um, I think we're just uh, normal people who can't overeat. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, that sounds right. No, but the movie was good. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this is the one. third one. This one was actually kind of hard to watch. Yeah, Courtney teared up multiple times. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it that's wanting to because it's still in theaters. Um, but there was a lot of, like, animal cruelty and... It was just, it was hard to watch. And there was also a scene where they went to this, like, planet slash station in the air. And it was made out of, like, natural matter. Like, I don't want to say human matter, but basically. Like, biological matter kind of stuff. Yeah. But anyways, it was very um, fleshy. And squishy. And squishy and squishy. And it was, that was kind of (laughs) gross. But the movie itself was a great movie. I, we had a good time watching it. Um, if you can get past the things I just mentioned, then definitely go watch it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a fun date. Sponsor us, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, or Olive Garden. Or both. <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to do, like, our uh, anniversary date 2.0 probably sometime next week, or I'm hoping so, because we want to go axe throwing We've never yeah. done that before, but it sounds like fun. I've never done it either. Sounds like a anniversary type thing to do. Oh, yeah. As long as you don't throw the axe at me. Dang it. He's on to me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, yeah. That's kind of what's been happening. Yeah. So. Oh, we did family pictures yesterday. We did. That was also fun. Harper was so grumpy. <laughs> she had the funniest scowl. <laughs> she seriously turned into like a different kid. Like we could barely get her to cooperate. And then as soon as we get home, she's giggling and joking and uh, just like we had you to are bribe so... her with ice cream. And... It barely worked. Yeah. No, it was, it was fun though. Yeah. I did get a sneak peek of her posing and she just like had her hands underneath her chin. She's not smiling, but it's still super cute. So yeah, she got her little pigtail in and yeah excited about that so stay tuned for those pictures coming oh. on instagram and facebook most likely but yeah that is uh all that's really new in yeah. our lives yeah um i don't i don't know if we mentioned this last week or not but we have um a new state to mention. we do it's massachusetts oh yeah yeah we got them harvard people listening to us yeah. so uh yeah, they uh, we must the be smarts. pretty intelligent. <laughs> Just kidding. Welcome, Massachusetts, to the fam damnly. We're happy to have you. Um, or it could be MIT. Yeah. Also smart. Also smart. The smart people of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we're excited about that. That's super fun. And I don't think we have any new countries yet, nope. but that's okay because we still have like Turkey and Israel. <laughs> <laughs> and Latvia. Randomly. And Latvia. <laughs> It's probably just Winnie the Bish. It's Winnie the Bish. And he's on vacation playing basketball. <laughs> Uphill. Uphill. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's a new girl reference for anyone who doesn't know about that. But You should. If you, you listen should. to us <laughs> at this point, you should know that we were talking about New Girl. Yeah. Or some random sitcom that you may or may not have watched. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anyways. Miles. Yes. You have a story for me. I do, but first, I have jokes for you. Oh my gosh, y'all. This is my favorite part. <laughs> Why do old cameras not look forward to New Year's? I I don't I don't know. Because they don't have good resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> what oh. kind of cars do Jedi's drive? I don't know. 
toy Yoda. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I arrived at a hotel for a Twitter conference. The concierge says, said, follow me. <laughs> I get it. Um, is that all? That's all. Just the three. None of those jokes had anything to do with themselves. You're right. They all were different. Yep. That was intentional. Well, how am I supposed to secretly guess <laughs> what the story is about? We'll we'll get to it. All I'm right. going to I'm going to try to not mention the names. I did write them in here, but like an idea that I had just recently, well not just recently, <laughs> it was like while I was writing the notes, but I didn't want to go back and like erase it all. I'm going to try my best not to mention any last names just because I want you to like be able to guess. I don't like think last time with like the last time. Vlad the Impaler. Yes. Yes, because I think it's a fun game, and okay. uh, I don't know. I feel like it intrigues listeners as well. I think so too. I I still um, one of my favorite like memories of the podcast is like when we put out one of our first episodes, and it was the Barrymore one, and oh, your mom yeah, that was, was like texting you while listening uh-huh. to it. And was like, "Are you talking about the Barrymore?" Uh-huh. That made me so happy. I'm like, "Yay, we have interactive listeners." Uh-huh. Anyways, yeah, so really yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's my mom, but I mean, she's like you know our most most loyal listener. Her one and, of them, yeah. Yeah, her and my dad. I'm pretty sure. I don't know about your parents. I know your parents listen to it. My but... dad listens to every episode. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know my parents, like last week, for example, since we put it out, I mean, this week again, we're a little bit late. Um, but last week, my parents were like, where's a new episode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we literally got that text as we were recording. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. Uh, yeah. And sorry, we're late again. This yeah. time, because Family Pictures just wiped us out mm-hmm. and we didn't get to it till today because yeah. of our date. So And also yesterday as i was like finalizing my notes and everything harper was very um needy she loves her dad she loves her dad anyway (laughs) so story so we have our jokes (laughs) we've gotten through all of our excuses now you get to listen to us all right ready yes So the 1800s were an exciting time. Were they? I don't know. I haven't been there. <laughs> How many times have I said that? <laughs> I feel um, like I've said that almost every episode. You do a lot of stories <laughs> from the 1800s. I do. And from like the 1400s. Yeah. I don't know how you pull those out of thin air, but you do. I don't know. The I don't know either. All right. So many technological advances were going on during the 1800s. Sure, 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 sure. Um, obviously, we've come a long way with all of them, you know, photography cars <laughs> hotel i'm just kidding but yeah so like reason we've come so far is like people have always tried to you know improve invent. yeah in, invent the new, the new next big, th- big thing and also improve on things that have already like you know been okay so we have a pair of twins and this story reminds me of the 1800 version of phineas and ferb huh and you'll, you'll kind of see why so the twins' names are Francis and Freelan. Okay. They uh, they go by their initials. So Francis's I, I didn't write it down in here. I should have. But Francis's middle name started with E. Freeland's, uh initials uh, or his middle initials started with O. So they went by like Francis E, like F E F O, respectively. Okay. Um, I'm just going to refer to them as Francis and Freeland. That's yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Francis and Freeland, like I mentioned, they were kind of the 1800 versions of Phineas and Ferb. They were the sons of Solomon, Liberty, and Apfia French, and the okay. grandsons of a man named Liberty as well, and Hannah Metcalf Fairbanks. Those are cool names. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> this is actually my next note. Their family had a knack for naming their kids. Yeah. There was an Isaac Newton, a John Calvin, I almost said the last name, Isaac Newton, uh, so that's his first and middle uh, name, John Calvin, his first and middle name, and Ulysses Grant, first and middle name. So, like, you know, pretty original. <laughs> um, okay. sa- sadly, though, John and Ulysses, they ended up dying in infancy. Um, there was also a, a daughter named Chansonetta who went in photography and she became pretty well known in, in photography. Wow. So this family, they were pretty devoted Calvinistic family, um, you know, no drinking alcohol and such. Okay. You know, hence the name John Calvin for one of the children. Their grandmother, Hannah, she dry, died during childbirth of the seventh child, leaving her husband, Liberty. So Freeland and Francis's grandpa. Uh-huh. It left him with seven children and he wasn't able to care for all of them. So he put them up for adoption. <gasps> oh, that's um, so sad. Yeah. As for, so Freeland and Francis's father, he was actually adopted by like his uncle. So oh, okay. the grandpa's brother mm-hmm. adopted the twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we no, got I, it? I follow, I follow. Okay, cool. You know, it's kind of, it's a little bit messy, but it took me a while to actually like get in my notes to <laughs> make sure it made sense. No, that, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. So their uncle, so they're, so Freeland and Francis's grandpa is actually their dad's biological uncle. Yes. Okay. Hold on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me go back. So we have, so Liberty is the grandpa. Yeah. And his brother, the one that adopted, his name is Solomon. Yeah. So, but legally, Solomon would be their grandpa because he adopted legally, them. Legally, yes. Biologically, Liberty is the grandpa. Yeah, and that so makes sense. yeah, so they had a. Um, I'll get into it as well, but they had a pretty good connection with both of them. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened to the other adopted children, where they went to. But anyway, we for for right now, we're not going to really talk about them anyway. So this family, they weren't wealthy in any sense. But they did highly value education, particularly science, poetry, and music. Okay. Francis and Freeland started their first business at the young age of nine. Wow. They refined and sold maple sugar. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Um, The money they gained from this business, they put towards some wool cloth for school suits and also an arithmetic book containing different equations, which they completed. Wow. Um, I I did take a brief look at the books, uh, you know, the the contents and everything. I Uh I think it was the right book. The the guy who wrote it, he he had a bunch of them, uh, like a bunch of different books, but I'm pretty sure I found the right one. Okay. So at the beginning of the book, the first few chapters are just making sure you know how to to read and write. Um, So it does like, you know, write... 96 as a number or they would like put 96 and like write this out as like in letters and everything sure yeah anyway but it does get into some pretty difficult problems as well okay um have a couple of examples so an army 
of 17,006 men receive each $109 as their annual pay. What is the total amount paid for the whole army? So they have you like, you know, multiply all that. Do you have the answer? No. Oh. <laughs> there was one that said divide 42,435 bushels of wheat equally among 123 men. Okay. And the last one that I have written down here is you bought 376 oxen at $36 each, 169 cows at $27 each, 765 sheep at $4 each, and 79 elegant horses at $275 each. Okay. How much total did you spend? I remember doing things like this in school. Yeah. Were you nine? Probably. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. F maybe I'm just old, but that seems like it wasn't like, I don't know. It seems a little bit more difficult than it was for nine year olds, especially during the 1800s. Yeah. I mean, um, it definitely takes a, you know, some thinking and, mm -hmm. and, uh, probably a lot of like writing out. Yeah. Notes and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, like I wouldn't be able to do it off the top of my head, but like if I were to write this all down right, on paper, right. I could figure it out, mm -hmm. you know, and I remember doing things like that throughout school. Yeah, I same. couldn't tell you like the earliest when I did it, but obviously like the older you get, like the more complicated it mm -hmm. gets, but at nine. They, they went through this whole book as well. Well, um, nine years old, you're in like what? Fourth grade? Uh, Third grade? Fourth grade. I think sounds right. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. That, I mean, those are intense equations for third slash fourth graders, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's not even it. That's just like, you know, I say basic multiplication, addition, and division, and subtraction. Because it is basic, but it's very extensive as well. It also goes into, you well, know, they, I, this was only up to page 65. This whole book contained upwards of 300 pages. And they did it for fun. Yeah. Well, they did it for education because, like I said, they... They valued education, but yeah, it wasn't sure, like yeah. it wasn't homework. They just did it. They like spent their earnings on this mm -hmm. book and then completed it. So yes, they did it for fun. <laughs> yeah, so you can kind of see what I mean. Like they're kind of Phineas and Ferb. Right. Yeah. 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 Because like they're sense. smart. Anyway, because um, they're smart. Because <laughs> they're smart. Um, so the book in the in the different chapters and everything, it goes into stuff like complex fractions, circular measure, and percentages. I think at one point it even started mentioning trigonometry. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's you don't, okay. You don't need I'm to I'm a know. college dropout. It's fine. <laughs> so there, like I said, there are a ton of arithmetic books for this guy. They probably got more along the way. Who's to say? I don't know. That's just what was written about them. Francis and Freeland were also pretty close with their grandpa, Liberty like the biological grandpa. Uh -huh. um, he even taught them how to craft violins when the boys were 10 years old. Wait, craft violins? Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's cool. I'm not sure if Francis did this, but Freeland really enjoyed doing that. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of his life, he continued to craft violins. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, by, the, by, he, by the time he was 16 years, of it, um, 16 years old, he had made three three different wow. instruments or well, three that's instruments super, yeah that's super cool yeah um yeah i don't i don't know how impressive that is within like those six years i feel like it's impressive because i don't know how to craft a violin but like i mean that... well yeah i'm sure there's a lot because like um there's almost like a science behind it oh because yeah because the thickness of the violin 
it, it fluctuates in different areas mm-hmm. and it has to be able like the wood has to be able to bend a certain way um and it needs to basically have i don't know how to explain it um like the inside of the violin needs to be like fitted perfectly and mm-hmm. so that when the sound bounces from the inside of the violin it sounds the same from violin to violin so yeah there's a lot that i, I remember watching like documentaries about how violins have, were made mm-hmm. and it's very extensive so for well, a 16 it. year old to that have made, made three, three mm-hmm. like that's really cool i'm very impressed by that awesome good <laughs> i am too i mean uh, you know one is impressive to me so yeah <laughs> All right. So when the boys were 20, Francis and Freeland attended Western State Normal School, which is now known as University of Maine at Farmington. Okay. They initially both went into teaching. Francis, he got married in 1874 to a woman named Augusta May Walker and decided teaching wasn't his favorite thing. So he opened his own photography studio in 1875. Nice. Meanwhile, Freeland continued his education at Hebron Academy in 1871 to 73, then to Bowdoin College in Brunswick from 1873 to 74. And then after Bo- uh, Bowdoin, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm probably oh. pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> okay. um, he became headmaster of the high school in Mechanic Falls, Maine. Wow. And it was here... He met a lady named Flora Jane Record Tileston, who was a teacher and a pianist, and they got married in 1876. Fun. Freeland ended up contracting, uh, yeah, contracting tuberculosis in 1881, um, and he was sure that a that living a more laid back lifestyle would help him would help cure him. Mm-hmm. So he started his own company, like for a practical drawing. Practical drawing set. Practical drawing set factory. Let I don't know live, exactly know what that is. but Let me live a more laid back life and start a business. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Sadly, that business in 1882, it burnt down along with, you know, the money he invested with oh, into it. Okay, so kind of sad. Yeah, that's depressing. Um, I guess he beat tuberculosis as well because... You know what? Um, if that is what it took to cure him, next time I want a laid-back life, we're starting up an LLC. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he beat tuberculosis because, you know, uh, yeah. he continued on with his life and everything. <laughs> so funny. while Freeland was out doing all this, Francis's photography business started bringing in some good money, Ooh. even becoming one of the biggest studios in New England. So in 1884, Freeland jumped on board with that. Initially, the technique was using crayon charcoal, like wet charcoal, as opposed to the more used wet plate process of the time, which involved kind of like a syrupy flammable solution. But they improved on that technique after Francis patented, patented, oh my gosh, I have a hard time saying that word, (laughs) uh, the first photographic airbrush, which he used to colorize photos. Okay. But after some time and experience, they got to thinking about the quality of the dry plates they had been using for their photographs. Uh-huh. They figured they could improve on them. So they patented a machine for coating mass quantities of dry plates. And with it, they started the, insert last name, dry plate company in Lewistown, Maine. Okay. Do you have any guesses no. on who this is? I, I didn't think so because I don't think you'll actually understand who this is until the very end. Okay. Which is kind of, you know. 
Yeah, I don't the know. The idea. I don't know if I would actually be able to guess the name. Like, you could probably tell me everything I've done. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. And you tell me the name. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind uh, of what I'm guessing is going to happen. I could give you a hint, but that would give it away too quickly. Okay. So I'm just going to hold off on it. Okay. Okay. Um, after a few years of operation, by the 19- 1890s, the business had brought in over $1 million of annual sales or almost three point, uh, $33.5 million in today's wow. money. That's cool. That Good was just a, that was just after a few years of operation, and anyone who has, I don't know, ever taken a business class or even tried to start their own business, you know that it takes a long time to like become that profitable. Yeah. So these take guys it. were doing something right. And you take this to Shark Tank. <laughs> right. <Just> <laughs> uh, they eventually moved their business to Watertown, Massachusetts, and they also settled down in a nearby town called Newton where they each built their own houses for their families. Can I throw a guess out there? Yeah. Warner Brothers. No. Dang it. Okay. That's a, That was a good guess, though. <laughs> okay. that's, a, that's a good idea for, like a, for a story <laughs> a future there. future story. Yeah. Um, in 1897, this was actually a recommended story. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, I should mention that. Anyway, um, in 1897 to 1898, the brothers pooled their wealth to buy land where they constructed the Hunnewell Club, which included a ballroom billiards tables and bowling alleys billiards was like a very uh like uh favorite of the brothers okay so as you can tell these twins were pretty apt in most technological advances at that time yeah at one point even francis was fascinated by the new bicycle hype and he had his wife try one out but she fell off and (laughs) sorry that's not funny (laughs) (laughs) and after that little incident she forever swore off bicycles okay fair that was like the same thing with me and uh like hoverboard things not fair enough i (laughs) i don't know if you remember i I remember (laughs) um no so when miles and i were dating like very very freshly dating um like a week (laughs) i flew to georgia to babysit my cousins while their parents my aunt and uncle um, were in california or not california colorado basically looking at business opportunities and Mm -hmm. like houses and things like that and so i was with them for about a week and they had a hoverboard and i tried it a few times and i like went really slow and i got pretty good at it so i was getting a little confident and cocky and then one day i jumped on it and totally lost balance and completely wiped out <laughs> and hit the ground so hard. And my cousins were like, it's okay. Everyone does it. And I was like, that was truly embarrassing. And ow, <laughs> that hurt. And I still to this day, like, will not get on another one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've tried them a couple times and like, I, I've never really succeeded to get it going, you know, smoothly yeah so and i haven't tried again maybe i maybe i should but maybe maybe not maybe not (laughs) you're tall and you're coming up on 30 like you're gonna hit the ground from a high (laughs) ouch (laughs) (laughs) from from tall heights and then you're gonna break and i'm gonna be sad why do you have to bring age into this (laughs) Uh, okay sorry go ahead you're okay all right (laughs) all right so Francis' wife fell off the bicycle and swore it off forever. Okay. Fair. Uh, so this kind of disheartened Francis a little bit. 
because he wanted something that they could kind of enjoy together a little bit, like a little hobby they could do. Yeah. So instead, he thought that, like, you know, he they could still do this, but instead of, like, on a bicycle, they could ride on one mode of transportation together. So... Tandem st- bikes? <gasps> so he started working on an automobile. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, real quickly, the first stationary gasoline engine was developed and completed by Carl Benz. And in January of 1886, Carl Benz applied for a patent for said engine. In July 1886, the car was recorded to go an impressive 10 miles per hour. Dang. They are speeding through town. Yeah. So, like, this, this is just the, the beginning stages of it. Yeah, so yeah. So, remember, yeah. like, it started off 10 miles per hour. Honestly, though, having no vehicles to being able to go 10 miles an hour, that's really impressive. Oh, yeah. Like, now it's not. Like, you know, obviously we've expanded on that a little bit. Yeah, but um, at the time, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. But, again, as it is with everything, as it is with everything, people wanted to expand on this new craze, making it their own. Sure. And that's what Francis did. And although he did jump on the bag bandwagon, he was also a little bit smarter about it. Ooh. So he actually looked at the pros and cons of the different types of engines, like combustion, steam, and even an electricity engine. Oh, okay. So he was a little bit ahead of Elon there. <laughs> okay. Um, after looking at all of these, and since electricity was a little bit more limited back then, he decided steam engines was the most practical. Okay. So in 1897, Francis sold his horse and buggies and got to work on his first automobile by using parts of wagons and bicycles that he got from like factories that manufactured them. Uh-huh. The following year, the brothers took this new automobile to the Austin, the Boston Auto Show in Charles River Park, and their car was the talk of the town. Everyone was amazed wow. by it. And after seeing everyone's reactions with the car, Freeland, his brother, decided to join his brother with the production. And together, they built and sold over 200 cars, which at the time was more than any other U.S. maker. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. In 1899, they were approached by Mr. John Brisbane Walker, editor of Cosmo and early investor in the Colorado Springs area. Okay. And he came with an offer to buy this um, the brothers' car business. Both Francis and Freeland were both pretty reluctant. So what they did, trying to like get the guy to go away, but like you know subtly. So they put out a price of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But this guy is like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I know, right? So yeah, he agreed. However, he couldn't. He could not afford it all on his own, so he enlisted the help of a Mr. MZL Barber, a.k.a. the Asphalt King, so he could help, you know, contribute in, like, there'd be partners and everything. Uh Uh-huh. So they kept the brothers on as consultants, Francis for manufacturing and Freeland for marketing. During that time, they gained a reputation from their publicity stunts, one of which included Freeland and his wife, Flora, taking one of these automobiles to the top of Mount Washington. Wow. It took them almost two hours, and this was remarked as the first event of a car climbing the 7.6 miles to the top. Nice. The descent, however, was a little more difficult. Uh, They had to keep the car in a lower gear, and they had to, like, keep on braking, like, pretty furiously as well. Yeah, that would be Um, pretty scary. (laughs) (laughs) So Freeland, he was also able to take William McKinley, the 25th president of the United States, 
on a tour of Washington, D.C., you know, another little publicity stunt. Uh-huh. And this was the first time one of the presidents during, you know, their time in office rode in an automobile. Wow. Within a year of attaining the car company, Walker and Barber had a little falling out, a couple of disagreements here and there, mm-hmm. and they branched off creating their own separate car companies. Okay. So this falling out made the, the twins a little frustrated because of like, well, what a waste. Uh-huh. Um, so they decided to start again from the ground up with their own new business. So because of some of the patenting, patenting issues, they took their original design for the engine. They improved on it and changed up a couple of things, you know, enough to make it different to avoid lawsuits and stuff like that. Okay. And they restarted the, insert last name here, Motor Carriage Company in 1902 with their new and improved engines. Is it Ford? No. Good guess, though. Okay. Keep going. In Ford was Hen- Henry Ford. That was his name. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> That's a good guess. Um, with the new and improved engines. And then in 1902, they were able to buy back their old patent, you know, for their old model mm-hmm. from Walker for a mere $20,000. Which, you know, if you remember, they he initially bought it for 250000 So, like, yeah. you know, hell of a bargain there. But Walker's company had transitioned to um, combustion over steam at this time because they found it to be more superior. Okay. But anyway, in 1905... They finally, the brothers, they finally sold their dry plate business, their photography studio thing, okay. to George Eastman from Eastman Kodak for $500,000. Wow. But after that, it, the, the company was dissolved anyway. But hey, you know, they got $500,000 out of it, which is equivalent to about $16.7 million. Holy crap. So, you know, I'll take that too. <laughs> That's so much money. Little side note as well. So George was a big fan of of the brothers, uh-huh. um, even despite them being photograph ri- rivals. Uh-huh. So like you know Kodak, Eastman Kodak, you know yeah, that yeah, big yeah. company. But uh, this guy George uh, George Eastman, he was among one of the buyers for their steam engine car. So he had oh. a lot of respect for these guys. Okay, sure, yeah. So the brothers they created a special race car design called the Rocket Racer, which, being driven by race car driver Fred Marriott broke the land speed record by going 127.66 miles per hour over a distance of one kilometer. So, you know, during that time, that's pretty impressive. Um, The following year, they also tried to break that record again, but while they were doing that, it actually crashed. No one was hurt, thankfully. Um, They used the same driver, Fred. But after this little stunt, they decided to, you know, put that goal to rest. Like, we broke it once, we're fine. Uh Uh-huh. Um, these guys are already going down in history, so... <laughs> in 1903, Freeland again contracted tuberculosis, and he was advised by a physician to have exposure to dry air with lots of sunlight and a hearty diet. Because, you know, they didn't know too much about tuberculosis, so that's what they recommended for a lot of people. Uh-huh. And, of course, during the time, the most popular place for those diagnosed with tuberculosis was none other than the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we have pretty dry air here. Mm -hmm. Freeland and Flora arrived in Denver in March 1903. They spent the night at Brown Palace Hotel in Denver, and Freeland arranged an appointment with one of the local doctors, Dr. Charles Bonney, who was also one of the um, top physicians about the topic of tuberculosis Mm -hmm. in the country. 
Freeland was advised to leave the Brown Palace Hotel and stay in a rented house, kind of a little bit more secluded from people, which he did for the remainder of that winter and spring. And I know who you're talking about. I don't know their names. I know who you're talking about. You? Keep going. Keep going. Okay. You, you'll get it. You'll get it. If, if I'm right about this, oh, I, need, I, oh, I need to remember <laughs> their names. I'm getting so okay. excited. Keep going. Keep going. So by the, the, the next June, he was still not improving. So... He decided to spend um, spend some of the summer up in the Colorado mountains, as recommended by his doctor, at a place called Estes Park. Ah! <laughs> totally know who you're talking about. <laughs> Freeland and Flora took separate modes of trans- uh, transport up there. Freeland in his car, and Flora took a stagecoach and train. But Freeland must have put the wrong address in his Google Maps because he ended up in Boulder. <laughs> in his Google Maps. <laughs> Um, and he finished, so he, he ended up staying that night in Boulder and then finished the rest of the drive the next morning. And by June 30th, arrived at his destination. The couple stayed at what is described as a primitive cabin for their first summer. Is this Stanley? (laughs) (laughs) Did I get it? Yep. (laughs) And during that time, Freeland's health improved significantly. Um, he was so moved by the beauty and great, and he was grateful for his recovery that he decided he was going to come back every summer to spend there. This is about the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> so he purchased some property. He hired the help of an English architect named Henry Lord Cornwallis Rogers. And they began construction of a summer home that Freeland called Rockside. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was designed with four bedrooms common spaces to impress the guests and a modern kitchen so flora would be able to entertain any guests okay because you know feminism (laughs) okay if you remember freeland liked to carve violins so Uh he designed a basement to keep such hobbies as well as you know his billiards and steam cars as well Uh he even had an attached garage to uh for his steam cars which was equipped with a turntable so he didn't have to reverse out nice so like Smart. Yeah. Innovative. Must be nice. <laughs> Infatuated with the area and scenery of Estes Park and it's also beautiful. believing it had more potential, Freeland and Flora thought it a good idea to turn the area into a resort town. Oh my gosh. In 1907. This is so funny because literally <laughs> up until this point, I'm like, I have no freaking clue what you're talking about. And now, like, I know this story. Uh-huh. I know it. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. In 1907, they broke ground for the construction of the famous Stanley Hotel ah! <laughs> with the hired so help of local Denver architect, Thielman Robert Weiger. It was initially designed for wealthy elites to come visit, Heck much yeah. like, you know, the ones that um that the stanleys had back in their home their hometown in newton where they like settled and everything yeah yeah so it was for people like them wealthy wealthy elites yeah well and like correct me if i'm wrong but this was also a place where a lot of like a-list celebrities went to and Mm -hmm. like like presidents Mm -hmm. and anyways um that was kind of like the the crowd they were targeting was sorry i don't want to steal your story go ahead (laughs) so for for power, Stanley had, oh, not Stanley, Freeland Stanley, had the Fall River Hydro plant constructed, introducing electricity to Estes Park for the very first time. When the hotel was completed on July 4th, 1909, it included a fully electric kitchen 
and steam laundry, a hydraulic elevator, electric lights, and telephones, and 48 guest rooms for, um, and every two rooms, so like every pair of rooms shared a bathroom as well. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, But that's not all. There was also a concert hall with a grand piano for like, you know, tributed to his wife. Uh-huh. Because uh, she was was a pianist, if you remember that. Yeah. Um, amenities and activities guests of the Stanley Hotel could find included bowling, golf, horseback riding, and motor excursions. Nightlife included formal desert, dinners, concerts, and a little lighter entertainment like, you know, billiards, naturally. At this time, the hotel was one of the only hotels in the world to be fully powered by electricity. Now, while that sounds nice, it also had its drawbacks. Oh, okay. For example, since electricity wasn't, like, super available, especially up in Estes Park, they did have, like, an auxiliary system, which was gas-powered. And in 1911, the hotel suffered an explosion due to the pipes being too full after one of the um, uh, housekeepers was, like, you know, going around lighting lanterns. He went... Yeah, yeah. And that housekeeper, her name was Elizabeth Wilson. Um, She ended up getting injured, but no one was killed, thankfully. And, of course, they had to incorporate the steam engine into the whole ordeal. So Freeland designed a 12-seat model that, could, that, he could, that he called sorry, the Mountain Wagon to transport the guests to and from the hotel, which was also adopted by other resorts like Olympic National Park in Washington State. <laughs> Copycats. <laughs> right. <laughs> While living here, Freeland had a lot of accomplishments. So brief list of those. In 1904, he organized and contributed funds to the Big Thompson Ca- um, Canyon Road. That's supposed to say Canyon Road. Big Thompson <laughs> Canyon Road, uh, leading to Loveland, which is now, you know, US 34. Uh-huh. In 1906, he became president of the Protective and Improvement Association. In 1907, he organized and contributed to the building of St. Vrain Road, or US 36, and also became the first president of Estes Park Bank. Okay. In 1908, he had purchased the land owned by Lord Dunraven, and then over time, he was like another um, innkeeper over in Estes Park. Okay. And then over time, Freeland also donated that land to the town. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Freeland was also a huge activist for Estes Park. Um, He was taken by its beauty and driven to protect it, Mm -hmm. even with the big increase of tourists. He became friends with naturist Enos Mills, who ran the Longs Peak Inn. Enos? Enos Mills. You just said that funny. Did I? You Enos. said Enos. Enos. <laughs> E-N-O-S. Enos. Enos, yeah. The two of them together, uh, you know, Enos was traveling and Freeland funded those travels like f- throughout the country. Mm-hmm. They ran a campaign for protection of the Rockies. Ooh, okay. In 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed the order that established Rocky Mountain National Park, it being the 10th national park in U.S. history. And Rocky Mountain National Park is um, today is the fourth most popular national park out of 63. Wow. During the 19-teens, the steam engine started to become obsolete as the combustion engine had taken long strides at this time with improving its functions. And in 1917, the two brothers stepped away from the car company and Francis and his wife, Augusta, came to visit Freeland's estate in Estes. Um, the, the car company it was now owned by Francis's um, nephew-in-law named Prescott Warren. 
He continued to run the company until it closed in 1926, which, like, I think is pretty pretty impressive considering, like, steam engines are now going away, but he kept it going for another nine years, so. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Well, six years, sorry. Nope, eight years. I can math. <laughs> Maybe I need that book. Just kidding. In the year of 1908, Francis died after driving his car into a wood pile while trying to avoid farm wagons that were like traveling side by side on the hmm. road so like Sorry, that's, that's not funny it's not it was it's kind of stupid <laughs> I, yeah anyway have you ever seen those people that like on one of those big uh, two-lane highways they like just go the same speed and it's like it's not a sometimes it's a slow speed but like they just you can't overtake them because they're both just driving side by yeah. side super annoying that's kind of what i pictured these guys doing is like anyway um so francis died Freeland ended up selling the Stanley Hotel in 1926 to the Stanley Corporation. They weren't able to sustain it, though, without Freeland's funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so he bought it back in 1930 and then sold it again to Roe Emery, who was its owner up until 1947. Uh-huh. The Stanleys continued uh, spending time up there during the summer um, you know, at the nearby residence that they had. Then over time, Freeland started to migrate from his previous business avenues, like the cars and all that, to hotel management and philanthropy. Uh-huh. With these new interests, he became a member of many boards and committees, and even a trustee of Hebron Academy, you know, the one that he went to, mm-hmm. uh, for which he funded the very first high school indoor hockey rink in the country. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. In 1926, Flora's eyesight began to worsen um, so much so that she didn't like going anywhere that wasn't familiar to her. Um, so they did a lot of back and forth between Newton, the hometown, and then, you know, Estes Park. Uh-huh. And then she ended up passing away in 1939 after having the, the both of them being married for 63 years. Wow, good um, on them. She suffered from a stroke. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. And that summer, that you know, after she died, Freeland spent his time in Estes, though he didn't make much of an appearance anywhere. Uh-huh. Then in October 1940, Freeland died of heart failure at the age of 91. Wow. What a cool life, though. Yeah. But I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the famous hauntings yes. of the Stanley Hotel. Oh, I was so excited about this part. I love the if, stories of the Stanley. If you have any that I don't mention that you want to like throw in there that okay. you know of throw them out you i mean they're pretty popular so i'm yeah. sure you'll get them um i only have a few um just because i wasn't sure how long that whole story was going to take okay so in 1974 a man was on a work trip work trip in boulder colorado with his wife and family he and his wife wanted a little getaway from their kids so they they traveled up to estes they stayed the night at um, the stanley hotel but it was kind of a unique situation for them because they were the only guests in the hotel. They were, the reason being is like the, it was approaching winter time and you know, they closed for the winter. Uh huh. So yeah, they, they had the whole hotel to themselves. Basically they stayed in room 217. And that night the man had a terrible dream about the fire hose coming to life, uncoiling itself and chasing after his three-year-old son, you know, terrifying dream he woke up from it and everything um but before the couple left the the hotel the next day the rough outline for the shining had been thought up by the man who if you haven't guessed it yet it's stephen king uh-huh. <laughs> courtney's favorite author and 
Room 217 as well, uh, even before Stephen King stayed in it, it also had um, like a pretty haunted reputation. Mm-hmm. Guests who have stayed in Room 217 claim to have experienced the ghostly presence of Miss Elizabeth Wilson, the housekeeper. Yeah, as I say, they always see a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, though her actions were more on the friendly side, people claim that she would, you know, fold their laundry and organize their sundries and toiletries and all those um, while they were out. Um, which uh, I was watching a video about, like just a couple of the stories, and one comment was like, it, it had that little quote, like um, people would come back with their laundry folded and uh, toiletries organized. It's like it's like they've never been to a hotel before. I know. They, they it's do like, that. Isn't that what happens anyway? <laughs> yeah. Like if that happened to us depending on how like intimate the, you know the cleaning was mm-hmm. it's like I, I wouldn't bat an eye right. but if i like if my laundry was folded then maybe i'd be like yeah what the that heck? the laundry itself is pretty weird everything else is is pretty normal yeah um anyway um apparently though elizabeth does not like men too much especially <laughs> if they were messy she would like you know poke them in the ribs during the night heck yeah clean um, up after yourself you lazy slob <laughs> right i didn't write this down either but it's worth mentioning um she uh, also probably uh it seemed to, that she had also a problem with uh any premarital relations because if there was I've a couple that, yeah. that weren't married but you know they were staying in the same room she would do the same thing to them like you know kind of prod around and everything yeah Not- nothing hostile but just kind of like hey nosy. you guys are sinners <laughs> <laughs> yeah nosy that's a good word oh, for it so funny other haunted rooms include room 401 housing the spirit of lord dunraven okay. the one who freeland bought the land from sure and he apparently is a little bit more perverted he would like touch girls hair um he would you know well, girls would claim that they would feel an arm like go around the waist or the shoulder or something like that Ooh, gross. um and even creepier some of the uh female attendants of the or guests of the hotel also claimed to feel like a hand rubbing up the back of their leg. Ew, that's And disgusting. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Another room that is allegedly haunted is room 428, which guests claim to see a cowboy. Some even say that the cowboy would pace back and forth at the foot of their bed. He was pretty respectful of people's requests, so, like, if they would ask them to leave, him to leave, he would leave, but not before he tried to get a kiss from, if, like, <laughs> if there was a girl there. Room 407 is also said to be haunted by another one of these helpful ghosts that would, um, you know, guests claim that they would be tucked in by supernatural force. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the whole fourth floor as well has reported sightings of children running back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> because that was, the fourth floor apparently was like the floor that the children and all the nannies hung out at. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, while there are no reported deaths on the premises of the hotel, some paranormal experts have said that death isn't the only thing that can tie a spirit to a location. Really? Yeah. That's it? That's it. No explanation? No, they said basically, it's like, if you had, like, an emotional attachment to something, that is also a good reason to, to stick around. So, like, you didn't have to die there, but, like, if you are... Uh, Again, emotionally attached to that place. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've never been to the Stanley Hotel. Me neither. But I want to. Have you ever been to Estes? Nope. I've never been to Estes. Oh, Estes is so beautiful. It really is. No, but I've never been to the Stanley. I've always wanted to go, but it's like, 
at the minimum like five hundred dollars a night. Eh, jump change. You know, so it's it's and and there's usually a wait list. Um, but I actually oh, I know. So uh, a girl that I grew up with, her mom and stepdad got engaged in room two seventeen. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Did they get divorced? Oh no I'm just, no I'm, no. Just, kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nope, they are still happily married. Um, but I remember her telling us that story because they they have like haunted tours and things like that of the hotel mm-hmm. um, that you can take. And so they did all that and they did all the fun things. And then they stayed in the haunted room like that one specifically. At least I think it was two seventeen. The one that I always think of it starts with a two. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there were so many on the fourth floor mm-hmm. that were haunted. That's super cool. Yeah. Um. No, but they stayed there, and she said that, like, the the morning that he proposed, he was acting all weird. And she was like, okay, if you saw a ghost, you better freaking tell me. And she was like, I don't care. Like, you have to tell me right now. And he was just, like, acting all nervous and stuff. And it was because he was planning on proposing. Right, he right. was nervous. Um, but she was getting all freaked out, like, that he had saw, like, he, he had seen something, and but didn't want to, like, freak her out more by telling her. Mm. But him not telling her was freaking her out. And so it's just really funny. So I love that story, but yeah, I wonder, um, I, I've always wondered how many of these ghost encounters were inspired by the fictional story of The Shining. Right. Or how many of the stories in The Shining were influenced by what people have seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you, I know what you mean. Because um, in The Shining, there also is the, the two the girls. girls. Yeah. And so if people are seeing children, like, that correlates, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, the, the two little girls that I read rum thing, and then the woman in 217. Yeah. Um, in the movie, I think it was, like, 237 or something like that. Like, they changed it up or... Yeah, something like that, but... 287. I don't remember, but... <laughs> Just take a picture of it. Yeah, I'm gonna... We can post it on our little uh, post. While we're taking a little pause denver fell asleep on harper's little trampoline and he looks really funny oh <laughs> now he's looking at me <laughs> also like, are you talking about me um i don't know if i'm just freaking myself out because we're talking about the shining right now but like i keep hearing things <laughs> to the left of me and it's freaking me out it just sounds like creaks like the house mm. is creaking but we do have a pretty creaky house yeah but I'm like, ah, stop it. <laughs> Anyways, and I could have sworn I heard Harper a second ago, but nope. Appar- so, uh, apparently, yeah. um, Stephen King, he didn't like the movie adaption of The Shining. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, instead of, like, that movie, he, well, not instead, but, like, he he did a different series based off of the off of the book, The Shining. I don't remember what it's called, but... Interesting. I, don't know. I kind of I'm I'm intrigued by it. I'll have to look it up. So called, but funny story about The Shining. I've only seen it once, and I haven't read the book. I think it's funny that you said Stephen King is my favorite author because he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I really I think his books are classics, but you know it just took me like five months to finish Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. Yeah. It was a great book, but the first like two thirds was so dry. <laughs> Anyways, he's a great author. I I want to read. The Shining, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, um, so the first time I ever saw The Shining, I was in Utah, and I was spending the night at my cousin's house, and um, my friend actually came with us. So it was the three of us. So it was me, Alyssa, and Val, and 
we stayed up watching The Shining and of course got freaked out. And then all three of us tucked ourselves into Alyssa's queen size bed and we're laying there. And I'm pretty sure if I remember this correctly, Alyssa was in the center. So if you're laying on the bed, I was on the right hand side and then Val was on the other end. And Alyssa had a ton of posters and pictures and drawings on her walls. Like she had pictures of like, you know, singers that she enjoyed and like things that she had drawn that she liked. Typical American girl. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. But she had them like all over. And there was one picture in particular and we were talking and Valerie goes, she said something along the lines of like, what is that? And Alyssa and I, of course, didn't realize she was referencing a picture on the wall. So we start (laughs) screaming and she starts laughing so hard and she's like, I meant the picture. And of course, we were just all freaked out from the movie. So we're <laughs> screaming and like freaking out. Oh my gosh, it's seriously one of my favorite memories. It's so funny. Haven't we seen The Shining together? I don't think so. Because I have only I only remember watching it the one time. I, I remember watching it with you. Maybe I'm making with that up. With me or with your other wife? Haha, <laughs> funny. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, my other wife, we've been married for six years. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I could have sworn. And maybe not. Maybe I'm just going crazy. Anyway. So, talking about haunted hotels, right? Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I've told you this story. But this is a fun story for me. So, I used to work at a hotel, right? Uh-huh. That's what I was doing when Courtney and I started dating. I was uh-huh. working at a hotel, just at the front desk. And we had this huge event that that was coming to town so they had like a huge block of rooms but the the sales team messed up i don't know if they messed up a little bit or if they intentionally did this but they overbooked the rooms thinking that people were going to cancel kind of like what they do with flights and stuff like that they do with hotels for events like this and no one ended up canceling so we had i want to say it was like 20 some room guests that didn't have rooms in our hotel so when when this happens hotels have a process called walking like walking a guest which uh-huh. means that you're just going to transfer them to a different hotel and your hotel pays pays for it like they, it's not on their penny at all i ever most of the people that i had to talk to about this were pretty okay with it uh-huh but there was one lady who um there were so nearby this hotel there's we li- we were downtown and there were um probably about four no there's like five hotels i think that were in like you know just a few blocks of us you know at least a mile and the one that we typically want walk them over to is also reportedly haunted you can tell them we don't live there anymore you can tell which one it is i, I can't remember what it's called um, this is in this was downtown ogden yeah ogden, downtown utah. ogden utah i think it, it was called the it's either the ben Lomond or the bigelow one of them is the older name one of them is the newer name i don't okay. remember exactly which one um Anyway, so I'll just call it the Bigelow because I, I think that's the right one. Okay. So this Bigelow Hotel has a reputation for being haunted. And so that's the one that I would like send people over. Anyway, this one lady who was frustrated with me, I, I sent her over to this hotel. And then the very next morning I had to work again. And she calls me up and uh, she's like, hey, I need to make sure that you guys have a room for me tonight. Because it was just the one night that we, um, like it was oh. a few days, but it was just the one night that we were overbooked. And so I told her, like, yes, it's completely fine. Like, don't even worry about it. She was mad, like, swearing at me on the phone and everything. And she's like, I can't stay another night in this haunted hotel and everything. And she, like, she she said those words. Yeah. Like, haunted hotel. Um, And she's like, there were things knocking at my door all night. I went to go answer it. There's no one there and everything. Oh, my gosh. 
And like, I, I can't stay another night in this place. I'm like, no, that's fine. Like, I completely understand. We do have a room for you tonight. Like I told you yesterday, like we will have a room for you tonight. Okay. Again, I apologize. You know, trying to do my best customer service person trying to tolerate rude people. Anyway, so that story, like, is super convincing to me because this lady was not in any mood. She was from out of town. She didn't know anything about this hotel uh-huh. to begin with. And this wasn't, like, the, the first story that I've heard of this haunted, this haunted hotel. Oh, you know, so we'd, we'd swap yeah. stories and everything at the at the front desk and, you know, all based on true stories, of course. But Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, so that story was, like, super convincing to me because, again, super frustrated, not in any mood to, like, make up any stories like that. But, yeah, I, I always you... I think okay. about that a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember that hotel we stayed at um, when your family came to visit and we were, like, all in Colorado? We stayed over. It was, like, the uh, Renaissance by the airport in Denver. Um, is that when... Harper uh, was, like, six weeks old. Oh, and we went to um, the... the Elidge Gardens? Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, oh, what was that? The... Renaissance. Radisson? Radisson. Radisson. Yes. Radisson Hotel. Anyways... That one, everyone saw, I think about that, and I, like, wonder if maybe it was haunted a little bit, because the first night that we stayed there, we got woken up at, like, 3 a.m. I remember, remember that. that, yeah. Because our room, like, malfunctioned, like, mm-hmm. the, uh... Like, the air conditioning the air, turned yeah. off, and... The alarm started going off. Oh, yeah, remember that's that? Mm-hmm. And we called the front desk, and they were like, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> we Um, had to get moved into a new room at like it was seriously like 3 a.m yeah anyways i I, obviously it could have just been like a malfunction but i wonder about that sometimes i'm like was that room haunted were we being completely i completely forgot about that yeah well yeah it it pops my mind every once in a while it's one of those things where i always wonder it's like hmm probably was you know that that hotel was weird because the lobby was like pretty nice yeah so you think oh these rooms must be nice no you go up into those hallways everything smells like cigarette smoke you know it's colorado um, <laughs> no offense our colorado listeners um no but like the, like the cigarette smoke had like uh what's the word like sunk into the floor like mm-hmm. stuck to the floor and the and the walls and everything it was so disgusting the rooms but, themselves weren't bad yeah they oh, weren't bad me, weren't bad it was like the hallways were like you feel like you're walking to your death a little bit but yeah anyway but yeah, that's the story of the Stanley twins. That was super cool. I, there was a lot about that that I had no idea. Yeah. And honestly, you could have told me their last name, and I would not have caught on until the Colorado part. You, you, you might have. That's why I avoided it. Yeah. You're, you're smart. You, you know things. That was super <laughs> cool. No, I, I'm so glad you did that. I loved that yeah. story. That was and again, awesome. that was a recommended story Yeah. Um, by one of my old co-workers, Sam. Now we Shout have to, to now we have to go stay at the Stanley. We have to. Okay. And go do the tours. Okay. Let's do it. Stanley Hotel sponsor us. <laughs> Anyways, this has probably been a super long episode, so we're not gonna keep you guys too much longer. Mm-hmm. That was a cool story. Thanks, Miles, for You're sharing welcome. that. I, like I tried that. to get it through through it as quickly as possible so you can get the bed. And <laughs> I can get to editing. <laughs> <laughs> um so everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can find us on pretty much any type of social media uh, at Fam Daily Podcast, and you can also send us in your own personal stories at Fam Daily Podcast at gmail dot com. Yes. And uh, any last thoughts? Yeah, don't forget to. 
um, subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends as well to do the same, even if they don't listen. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if a spirit ghost comes to you and tries to sneak a kiss, just tell them no. It's okay. You don't need to be polite to the ghost. Slap his ethereal face. <laughs> All right. And we'll talk to you guys later. Yep. Bye.